It was warm enough yesterday to sit comfortably on the back step, barefooted, in shorts and a t-shirt, while the sun began edging upward through the spaces in the grapestake fence. Summer. Such mornings come late to our little corner of America, late enough that we wonder each year if they will ever arrive at all. I sat there sipping a steaming, cream-mellowed cup of dark roast and watched, content not to say a word, content to merely listen and watch and smell. If anything haunts me with as much positive dreamlike energy as some of the beat-downs childhood offered negatively, it is things tied up intimately with the ribbon of smell. I was barely three when we lived across from a log dump in halfway Oregon, where immense Mac and Peterbilt log trucks pulled up again and again, reeking of dust and diesel made friendlier by warm, piney waves of newly cut log scent billowing outward on the shoulders of thunderous sound waves, fat, round lengths of thick-barked ponderosa pine, grand fir and dug fir tumbling from the log trailer then rolling down the steep earthen ramp to crash into the sort pond below. Just a year later, in our new sunny backyard in Lincoln, Nebraska, I first met and immediately fell in love with snapdragons, which were bright and happy and fascinatingly mechanical, their lower dragon jaws opening beneath the weight of any brave, hungry bumblebee willing to stick a furry black head into their pride-open mouths. More than the mechanics, though, it was that absolutely unique, not-too-sweet scent. Science attributes this to the rhythmic daylight emission of a volatile ester called methylbenzoate that wormed its way into my imagination and memory, making snapdragons one of those magical olfactory waypoints that would serve as a north star by which I might navigate and remember and find my way back to a sunny childhood garden, even sixty years later. I don't remember when Marigold and I first met. It might have been that same summer in Lincoln, when I met Snapdragon for the first time, and stumbled into those familiar left-behind scents of pine that had once greeted me daily in halfway Oregon, and then cheerfully re-greeted me more than a thousand miles distant during the first wondrous visit I can remember to a lumber yard, where smooth-milled pine boards stood in sorted stacks against the wall, and friendly men scooped and weighed handfuls of bitter-smelling steel nails on a countertop scale, and then poured them assuredly into thick, rough, brown-paper bags, which they wrote numbers upon and then handed to me to carry as Mom's helper. That was the same summer I learned to love roses, on a morning when I was awake before the rest of the house, and Mom padded barefoot into the living room to find me propped against the back of the sofa, looking quietly out the front window at the awakening world. Want to get a donut? she whispered, beaming in the still faint morning light. We both got dressed as quietly as possible, and within minutes I was sitting beside her all by myself in our beige Volkswagen bug, headed toward an adventure I did not have to share with either of my sisters or dad. 
just mom and me driving on quiet streets in early morning light, pulling into a parking lot and up to the immense, steamy, pane-glass windows of the bakery with its red neon open sign beckoning us inside. When Mom pushed the door ajar, I was flooded with the warmth and moist smells of yeast and sugar, of hot oil and cinnamon and chocolate and baking, browning pastry flour, and an exuberant hello from the smiling, white-aproned man behind the counter. We took our white paper sacks of fresh pastries with us, and Mom drove to the rose garden out near the hospital where we then walked between row after row of blooming tea roses in warm, low-angled sunlight, completely soaking my kids in dewy grass, munching our doughnuts. Mine was a chocolate glazed, Mom's was a jelly-filled, which she gave me a bite of, and sniffing every single rose bush we passed, trying to determine our favorites. That morning sealed it for me, been in love with roses ever since. Grace, the cat, flopped down onto one of the stepping stones a few feet away and looked around. She's one for starting her day in the awakening garden, too. I set down my coffee mug and reached over to snap off a fading, past-its-prime flower from one of the marigold plants, then squeezed it and rolled it between my fingers as I brought it up to my nose. Every single time. Is there anything on earth that smells like a marigold? Is there anything that speaks such a language of spice and friendliness? It's not sweet, but it is kind. Warm, pungent, exotic, and yet familiar. And in that moment I fell into a time machine that immediately transported me backward, touching on a dozen seemingly forgotten marigold-scented waypoints as only smells can, reanimating moments long past and kindnesses fretfully forgotten in that damned frenetic race that sometimes pulls me along for months without a single thought or word of objection. I watched Grace writhe in some kind of feline ecstasy as she rolled onto her back and stretched and curled. The sun inched up and up, nearing the top of the fence, a proud Papa Chickadee perched atop the mutabilis rose just twenty feet away, reciting his two-toned meditation again and again while facing toward the east. Smells of coffee mingled with the aromatic oils of marigold on my fingers as I raised my cup and greeted the new day. We're going to get through this dark chapter, my friends. Take a deep breath and know what's there to know. There are a hundred reasons to hold on, to nurture kindness, to shun pettiness and cruelty, to rise up with the sun of each new June morning. When nothing makes sense, find something familiar and comforting to breathe in. Fall backward into that olfactory time machine that is such an essential part of our natures and remember, if only momentarily, simpler times. We're going to be okay. I can smell it. Bet you can too, if you try.